one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, welcome to the 375th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Alex Reeves and Jake Hamby. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Edler. Today we've got Bobby Lamb on the show to talk to us about aspect ratios. We are going deep on all of the common and popular aspect ratios uh, that you would ever hope to shoot in your career. Who knows? Maybe somebody will invent a new one, but like all of the the usual suspects are outlined here. Yeah, some of the greatest hits, 2-4, 1-8-5, 1-by-1, 9-by-16. We've got some hot takes. His new favorite aspect ratio. We're <laughs> going to talk about it. Don't spoil that. Mm, I won't. People but are I, dying to know. I mean, we are, you know, obviously we're, we're being a little facetious here, but I, I do think that for me personally, and the aspect ratio has become a more important choice and more mm-hmm. something I, I find that I need to fight for a lot more over the last few years. Uh, but also that it, it can be a really creative decision, which I, I know everyone knows this, but I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to now that we, we've gone from the super wide to super tall aspect ratios. I just think I've been thinking a lot more about what's right for what and why can't I make a good TikTok video? And is it because I'm thinking of how to cram a 16 by nine frame into a nine by 16 frame? And we talk a lot about that and kind of different strategies and our opinions on things. And I think we dive into kind of some good examples uh, of how you would use all the different ones. So I think whether you are very technical or not, even if you're like an actor or someone that uh, has to exist within these aspect ratios, definitely if you're a cinematographer, uh, I think this is an interesting conversation. Um, and as directors, it's something that you would think is up to us, but oftentimes is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more the the more powerful we get as directors, the more say we have. And we've seen a lot of kind of some of the more successful and famous filmmakers, uh, you know, being able to choose their own aspect ratios. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised we never talked about uh, Grand Budapest Hotel which, you know, pops around different sure. aspect ratios. Sure, yeah. And it's one of the yeah, classics. I, th- I think there's plenty of films that will kind of try and tell you something, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, jumps through a multiple aspect ratios to tell you in what universe you're in. You know, mm. like the ha- the past is all four by three. Um, I think like when they're in the movie star, like one car Y universe, I think mm. that's two, three, five. They, but yeah, they they jump around for sure even maybe change mid scenes sometimes as well. Anyway, on a face value, I think a conversation about aspect ratio is purely craft, but I think 
inevitably you end up talking a little bit about business, power structures, as you were hinting at before, and also the tonal philosophies that you're trying to to impart on people. So I think it's a really great mixture of um, technical and craft and art all at once. So it was a good one. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the tech specs for everything everywhere all at once, and they did shoot 133, which is 43, 185, 239, and my new favorite aspect ratio, which <laughs> you'll find Ooh. out if you listen to the episode. Or if you saw the movie already and paid attention to no, the shape no of the one, frame. No one would know from that. Um, but before we, before we talk to Bobby Lamb, who also, I feel like we could have a whole episode just talking about you and Bobby, because he, you... Sure. Half my stuff, Bobby shot. Half your stuff, kind of like me. I kind of had similar relationships with two different DPs recently. I've just kind of been DP hopping, DP, mm-hmm. not shopping, but just kind of like creating an arsenal. Anyhow, so Bobby's on. Yeah, He's great. We talk about aspect ratios. We've both known him for a really long time. It was cool to chat with him. Before we talk to him, though, people, we do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. Our good buddy, Sambo Steve. Stuntman extraordinaire, mm-hmm. uh, martial artist, and previous guest, and also someone that uh, has been helpful when I need information on how to achieve certain stunts. He emailed us and he said that we should be more interactive with our Patreon patrons. Yeah, he's right. So come to patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. Give us a dollar, two dollars, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars, ten million dollars. That's only happened twice before. Just something that helps us. Keep the podcast alive. We're on episode 375. Been doing this for a while. And so it's helpful when people join the Patreon. We get to pay our editor. Really, if you just feel like you're getting anything out of this podcast. One last thing. I want to tell a quick story. I was on set in Miami Mm -hmm. a couple days ago. There was an actor there that I had actually fought pretty hard to get because I thought he was uh, head and shoulders above all the other actors that were reading for this role. It's a guy that has to decide between a hot dog and a hamburger mm-hmm. uh, as if it's like the biggest decision of his life. Like, mm-hmm. is he going to cut the red wire or the blue wire? Or, you know, mm-hmm. chooses the wrong place. Everyone dies. So this guy comes on set. You know, he's this like the third day we cast him. We call back. We call him back. The whole thing. I fight for him. He's finally on set. Part of a giant cast. And one of our last shots, I go, hey, how's it going, Derek? I, you're, I loved your audition. Thanks for coming to set. This is what we're doing. He's like, oh, by the way, while I was setting up for the callback, I was pulling down my backdrop, getting my camera, getting my lights on. I was listening to the Just Shoot It podcast. And then I logged on and I was like, what? Warren Kaplan is auditioning me. How crazy. And he didn't He did not say, say anything. anything, which is crazy because he would have gotten the job on the spot. If you, if I ever audition you, then uh, let me know. I'll just book you right away. <laughs> you know, I, it would work on us, though. I wonder how everyone else in the room would feel about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you were like, oh, I want to cast this person, would they, in the back of their mind, or maybe even to your face, be like, you just want to cast them because they like your podcast? No, I think it actually would have the exact opposite effect and so I, I make fun of you all the time because i'm constantly meeting people that listen mm-hmm. to the podcast and you mm-hmm. you don't even know if this podcast is out in the world or if it's just all on a hard drive because you've never met anyone that's turned to the podcast yeah, uh, yeah. all of our numbers are, are fake yeah <laughs> yeah this is a truman show yeah. uh style in your world your attitude right now is that if somebody told us that they were on the podcast, that would make us look bad. Like if we wanted to cast mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. my attitude is if I'm in a casting session, I have agency people, producers, everyone, and an actor comes on and says, 
oh, you're Orrin Kaplan. I listen to your podcast. I'm a huge fan. Like I just was mm-hmm. listening to this episode. And it about does this, make this. you look cooler if it you own it. It makes you look yeah, yeah. super. You don't need to do anything. You're, you just say thanks. Well, but, Everyone else in the room is like, whoa, Orrin is kind of fan. I'm glad we chose this well-known director cool, that people yeah, are yeah, talking yeah, about and excited to meet. No, that's a good point. I, whereas I think I would be demure about it or something i don't know like my podcast sucks i've been uh, on this job for the last two months running a room you haven't mentioned the podcast one time not not one time (laughs) come on one time yeah yeah. what is wrong with you there's this this last thing we got to get to the episode it's already way too long as it is but i read this book about luck it's called the science of luck and it's about this guy was like why do some people win the lottery like five times you know and other Mm -hmm. people are just like dying at young ages and things. And his conclusion was that lucky people, well, he, sorry, let me, he did this really amazing experiment. He said, Hey, meet me at like La Cienega and Sunset Boulevard. I want to do this study about luck. And he asked people before this, if they consider themselves lucky or unlucky, you know? And he basically brought like, you know, a hundred people that consider themselves lucky, a hundred people consider themselves unlucky. And he was like, meet me at La Cienega and Sunset. And then as soon as they got there, he'd be like, Oh, sorry, I told you the wrong street. It's Fairfax and Sunset just like a couple blocks. Can you just walk over here? And he planted a $20 bill on the sidewalk, loose mm-hmm. $20 bill. Mm-hmm. And he said by a statistically significant margin, the lucky people found it and the unlucky people didn't find it. Um, and he said that one of the lucky people had to reschedule with him once. He said, Oh, why, why'd you have to reschedule? And the guy's like, on my way to this interview, I fell down a flight of stairs, <laughs> broke my leg and had to be taken in an ambulance to the hospital. So I'm real sorry about that. And he's like, wow. So do you still consider yourself lucky? And he goes, yeah, I could have broken my head. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, fine. Yeah. Um, and so that book has really convinced me that it's a hundred percent about attitude. The lucky people are yeah, open to like, seeing the $20 bill. Not unlucky Which people. Because I feel like for the most part, uh, I think you have to have that attitude to be a successful director, right? Like there is that mentality of like, oh, I am going to book work. I am going to survive, you know, all of those element of risk where if you didn't believe that you were going to be able to pull it off, you just wouldn't do it in the first place, you know? Yeah, but there's some the tortured artist narrative that also... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't pervasive. know many tortured artists that are making a living. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you're like that, that you're a bad, unlucky person. I'm saying that when it comes to the podcast, I am weird about the podcast. I just, you're yeah, closed kinda, to the world. Yeah. I think it's because honestly, this is the truth. And then we'll move on. We talk about a lot of personal stuff when I talk about people and I always am cloaking their identity into the point where like you always razz me about like, there's no way any person. If they listen to it, we would be, it would mean that we've made it in a certain way. And, it, this is a perfect example. One of the producers on this last job I had was like, uh, oh, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah, please don't listen to it because all I do is complain about my current jobs. If you can wait at least a month before you listen to it. Guess what he did that next minute? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he downloaded our last episode. Mm-hmm. It's called promotion. It's called marketing, Matt. <laughs> I know. I got to get on it. All right. Okay. Uh, 375 episodes and maybe I'll figure it out. Anyway, let's talk to our old pal, Bobby Lamb. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, we're here with Bobby Lamb, commonly known as Blam. (laughs) Or, Or Bobby DP. Bobby DP, is that your website? Uh, Bobby Lamb is my website. BobbyLamb.com. Yeah. You can go to BobbyDP.com. It will just go there, though. Mm, it's an outdated reference, I suppose. Bobby's shot many, many things, including one of my daughter's favorite movies. Uh, we can't talk about it because it's Under Wraps. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, just kidding. It's called Under Wraps. It's about a mummy. But also, if you add the amount of time Matt's known you and the amount of time I've known you, together it's probably like <laughs> 40 years or something that's, that's probably true yeah yeah just shy but but about that, you guys yeah. met freshman year in college bobby was the first person i met in college period you shot something for me right did you shoot sourced out yeah that's yeah, it yeah. That's right but bobby and i worked together even before that i think you were a gaffer on something and i covered for you and I was a dolly yeah, grip and yeah. you were back in the crew days. Yeah. Worked on some USC thesis films. This was my whole, like when people, and I don't, I don't know if it works this way at all nowadays, but in 2005, when I moved to LA, you basically just went on Craigslist. You found a job to work for free. I mean, you guys went to film school, so you, you already plugged in, but for someone that wasn't like plugged in. You don't know who's looking for work. Like no one's like stands up in the middle of class and says, hey, everyone, I'm shooting a short this weekend and I need gaffers. Oh, yeah, yeah. What you just described is is pretty close to what I remember, um, especially just graduating. I mean, some of the jobs that were, I was getting were just like the total bottom barrel. I think like the first the first electric job that I did was like fifty dollars a day. You know, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, that's like a hundred and fifty dollars now. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I guess with inflation. Yeah, I guess yeah totally but true. I was, yeah. I, I didn't know anyone, you know, so I, I literally just moved to LA and I was like, I worked for free on like 10, 20, I don't know, as whatever. And I learned those crew positions. I, I, the first time I was ever in the Dolly group was on a guy, Seth Dalton's uh, thesis film. Um, he went to USC. Familiar. He was a grad student at SC. And I think I met like Lawson or someone, one of you guys. I think I met you on there too. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really familiar. Yeah. And literally they're like, we don't have a Dolly grip. Do you want to do it? I'm like, yes, I will happily yeah. do it. What is Dolly grip? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I fell in love with it and just all, and I met, you know, we worked on that Nelson Craig's uh, thesis. Right. Yeah. this like That's big right. sci-fi thing. So it was crazy how fast you working from free to getting paid like 50 bucks a day to making yeah. enough money to kind of split rent with like 10 roommates or however many yep. you have to live with, you can go, which is much easier when you're like 20 than when you're 40. When you're like, hey, can I take this Ziploc bag yeah. full of craft services home? <laughs> uh, that's perfect. But that was my way in this. through you guys. You're like my USC connections. And then my friend went to AFI, you know, Jen Glynn, she was a producer there. And I worked on all her thesis films, you know, obviously for free. Those are like my two film communities, like the USC. Un mostly undergrads like you and Vinny and Lawson and whoever, Jesse Feldman and stuff and AFI students. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of times on the podcast, we tell people they should like take classes at UCB um, to kind of get into this world. But like, to me, that was my way in from like zero to a hundred, knowing absolutely nobody mm -hmm. and not even knowing how to be, how to make films. Yeah, sure. You just are like, I'm around. I, I think that that works for and I swear we'll get to the real topic soon, but I think that works for a certain personality type that's like a quick study and like observant and a good attitude. I feel like I did that a little bit as well in new people and just wasn't quick on the draw, like didn't get what anybody needed from me. I guess that maybe there's a gift in being a dolly grip because you know mm -hmm. what your department is. Do you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, I work on the dolly. They tell me where the dolly goes. Whereas like if I, I remember being a PA and really wanting to do a good job and just, just flopping, yeah. just chunking because you, do, you, you need more awareness of just like what a set is in order to anticipate. Yeah, what PA is a much need, harder basically. job, I think, to learn as odd as it sounds. To become a good PA, you need to be yelled at a lot, I think. And I don't mean like in a mean way, but you need to be told yeah, yeah, yeah. You, not to stand around and to go yeah, yeah. do things. And Dolly Grip... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've said this a million times on podcasts, but to me, my two favorite positions, if you have to choose a random crew position to like learn about filmmaking are Dolly Grip and Boom Up. Boom Up is like the best because you literally can learn it in like two hours. It is physical in a way that a Dolly Grip is. Yeah, man, a Dolly Grip, you got to freaking lift up. Dolly Grip's are 500 pound Dolly. Yeah, Dolly Grip's, look, look, no disrespect, but like I would rather be a Dolly Grip than a Boom Operator for sure. Oh, it's more fun, but a boom, if you have a set closed set with three people, like a, you have a camera operator, if you have two, if you have two people, mm -hmm. camera operator nowadays, the AC is like, doesn't even need to be remotely close to the camera. Um, and you have the boom up, like those are the only two people that have to be in there with the actors and you hear the directors and you hear the actors and you're, you're so in the action and then it's a PA. There's a chance you're like off at like Vaughn's trying to find ginseng for Jamiroquai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but a dolly grip is like the next position, um, right? Because your job is, you are in charge of the dolly, but if there is no dolly, you're in charge of camera support, right? So you're helping with the sticks, right? You're carrying the tripod around, you're 
balancing the head, you're doing whatever, you're kind of halfway in the camera department. So you get to also, again, if we're down to five or six people, mm-hmm. you're like one of the more important people to keep close to the actors and the directors. So anyhow, thanks for coming on the podcast, Bobby. Oh, yeah. Glad to be here. Uh, we hope... Uh, we hope you enjoyed it Oren you you called me today and you were like hey I've got an idea for uh, an episode Mm -hmm. you're going to be bored by it yeah I have a topic aspect ratios (laughs) and I said okay let's do it we haven't done a craft episode in kind of a while yeah well so I've been thinking a lot about aspect ratios and I wanted to have a DP on to talk about it and some you know a DP that, that we both know would be helpful just because I felt like you know, if it's someone we don't know, we kind of have to go into backstories and like figure out who they are. But since yeah, we yeah. both know Bobby, like we said, a combined 40 years, we thought we could just kind of jump right into it. I'm sure, Bobby, you have a lot of opinions, as many DPs it's, do uh, on aspect It's very ratios. much in the in the uh, zeitgeist. <laughs> it's funny. I, 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 yeah. I actually, sure. yeah, before yeah. you asked me to come on, there's like this tweet that gets passed around about Seinfeld like how it's being aired right now on Netflix. Mm, mm-hmm. There's an episode, I guess it's called the pothole. And there's, there's a whole thing about how they basically reformatted the original four by three aspect ratio to fit into a rectangular box. And they just cut out like all this information. All, all the potholes. Yeah, <laughs> so they're complaining about something down at the bottom of the screen, but you, you can't, can't see, see it. it. And yeah, it's a pothole. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's worth it also to mention, Bobby. You do a lot of posts. You do a lot of. I do. You're a colorist as well. So besides all of the shooting that you do, you also see other people's aspect ratios and have to live yep. with the ramifications of that visually. A lot of bullshit under your belt, I guess, is what we're saying. Yeah, and even though you're a cinematographer, and obviously, you know, I feel like cinematographers tend to approach filmmaking from a, from a technical side. Like, I really wanted to keep this conversation to a more like artistic, emotional side, because I think a lot of filmmakers, especially ones that come from like acting or writing, maybe less from the camera side of things, don't think of aspect ratio as like the super important Mm -hmm. decision that they have to make. Matt and I work in commercials a lot. I know you, you do too sometimes, Bobby. And it's something that seems many times like forced upon us. But recently, my last two jobs that I've done post on, I've kind of really fought hard for not the aspect ratio that the client mm-hmm. wanted. And then the job before that, I lost pretty hard. Like, like I think that different aspect ratios are good for telling different types of stories. Uh, and it, there is a little bit of like, kind of that, like masturbatory film student <laughs> person that just wants everything to be anamorphic and uh-huh. super widescreen and cinematic because that's what, you know, their favorite uh-huh. movies in the, you know, it's what Blade Runner is or whatever. Just lately, I've been thinking about aspect ratios a lot more. And I do think that there is like that you're telling a different type of story. And if when you're shooting nine by 16, you know, vertical video for TikTok or IG stories or whatever, it really forces you to do a different type of storytelling than if you're shooting 16 by nine or two, three, five, like anamorphic or this new aspect ratio that's getting kind of popular for no reason. But I think just because it's like like a nice middle ground, which is like two to one. Yeah. Um, aspect ratio, which which we'll talk about. So I kind of thought we could start at the widest and go down to the tallest. So we'll start okay. at like two four, the what we call like the widescreen cinema standard, what a lot of movies are coming out in. And you might hear it referred to as two three nine or two three five. Um, and we'll go all the way down to nine by sixteen, kind of like the TikTok IG story, and talk about what each aspect ratio does 
to your work from a storytelling point of view. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask both of you, like in your opinion, who decides what the aspect ratio of a given piece of work is? Oh, man. You want to go first? And I, I, it, it's fine. I was going to say when you were talking, when you were riffing on, uh, on commercials, I, it's, I find that when I shoot commercials, oftentimes I'm being asked to shoot multiple at the same time. Like you're, you're basically protecting for so many different boxes all at once. And then sure. not to mention, yeah. I was going to say, if you, Matt, remember that uh, job we did where we went even wider than 235. It was like e 16 by 9 screens uh, run up and to get against each other is for uh, an upfront uh, <laughs> presentation. Yeah, we shot like 8K <laughs> and cropped it to be like a specialty like it was it was a custom screen that was wider than any commercial screen out there basically it was like a wrap around. it was from madison square garden it was like a wrap around and so we ended up so that's 16 yeah. times three that's 48 by nine yeah that's 48 yeah. to nine <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was actually it was fun and also kind Ridiculous. of a bummer because um you know what do you how do you compose for that it you know, like all, all your instincts. I wish I was there to see it. I didn't get to see it, you know, pres- presented sure. in yeah, its yeah. full glory. Um, I did. But. And it was like, so the upfronts, you know, it's like a network will present, you know, all of their stuff to advertisers to try and sell ad space, basically, um, for their slate of shows. So we were doing it for True TV, which is part yeah, of known Turner. for their extreme widescreen. So <laughs> Well, well, but so Turner had put had put together the whole thing, right? So it was CNN, it was Adult Swim, it was all these different brands, and we were relaunching True TV. Like we were the only right. people who did something custom. They wanted to make a big splash. We, we did, yeah. Billy on the street and in extreme yeah. wide. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's funny you bring up that job, Bobby, and I think it kind of illustrates maybe the broadest thought process for any aspect ratio because that that job we did have like a billy on the street or like a few shows that were just a single person single subject and then also a sketch show that had like a cast of like nine yeah and so obviously the the sketch show where we had the big cast you could spread them all out and give them different sizes on in the frame cutting felt a little weird actually so we tried to like keep it relatively static and so we'd have these kind of big tableaus and that was really easy and fun and and the wider the format the easier it is to kind of get everyone in in a way that's really flattering and interesting and staggered whereas a portrait you were kind of in trouble basically because the closer you would get to someone like the larger the in the frame they'd get no matter what, you couldn't fill the frame, basically, is what, no. what I'm getting at. You were just always, like, even an extreme close-up. If we'd gotten really, like, clipping, like, Billy's chin and his eyebrows, that would still only be a fraction of the frame, like a sixteenth of the frame, still a sliver, but it would be absurdly close at the same time. So we just kind of did a normal close-up and had, like, a ton of negative space, if memory serves. Well, so neither one of you answered the, my question. To answer your question, yeah, who chooses, right? Oh, who chooses? Who chooses? I mean, I find if it's a commercial, it, there's some pretty strong like reasons why the client will have, you know, if it has anything to do with 
exactly where the ad is supposed to be placed. You know, if it's going to be on TikTok, then they have expectations that it be nine by sixteen or mm-hmm. you know, uh, f- for broadcast. And, yeah, and, and often it's both, and that's why that's why it's that, both. That's why. But, yeah, yeah. I think it, you bring up the the point though, Bobby, that like it's easy to confuse deliverables. Yeah. AKA like media buy and aspect ratio are kind of two different things, but like we think of them as locked in as one and the same because of the economies we're trying to achieve of like, right. You know, making one edit and one shot work for multiple. Right. And we have a schedule to, you need to shoot a certain amount of stuff. And if you have to shoot like five different versions, then it's a pain in the butt. But let's but let's put commercials aside for a second. What about features, TV shows, okay. short films? It's always been a discussion purely between me and the director, which has been really luxurious, I feel like. The only kind of situation where it felt like the studio had, you know, a pretty strong compelling reason was at least with these last two Disney movies is that it's going on a streaming platform that they, they have expectations, like all their entire library of, of films are, mm-hmm. are shot a certain way. The audience, they want their audiences to have you know, a full screen experience. If there is a technical reason for it or a studio mandate that it, it doesn't interfere with like the actual, you know, creative of, of what we're trying to do, then I don't feel, I, I think that it's a great format. I don't, you I don't, don't have hate like 16 a, <laughs> a dogmatic. Yeah, I don't have a dogmatic partiality towards one box proportion over another. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's there's fun to be had in trying to like say something about what you're making, you know, yeah. like, you know, the aspect ratio can be commentary on the mm-hmm. the the product in some way. And I do remember. Yeah. To answer your question, Oren, if I'm the boss. Like if there's not a, if no one else is paying me and it's like my own thing, whether that's an independent feature or whatever, then sure, I get to pick. And that's a conversation with the DP. But I can think of a time where like I was shooting this like uh, this thing for like a military video game, like a Call of Duty type. I can't remember what game it actually was. Uh, we shot it all widescreen and then would cut in back and forth in between widescreen and 16 by 9. And... Uh, I really explained it very thoroughly to everyone, showed them everything, and then when we and got was to the it, edit, was there a creative reason the, the where you're like, was like when we're in we're in yeah, uh, like anamorphic yeah, yeah. or whatever two four we're in mm-hmm. in our scenes mm-hmm. and then it it's slow and then we're going back and to the, real yeah, life exactly, for sixteen exactly. minutes. Uh huh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it was that that was the exact pitch, and the uh, the producer was like. This is for YouTube. People would click away if there's black bars on the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, we talked about this in multiple meetings. It really what it boiled down to is that I don't think that she, she didn't understand, basically. Furious. I'm still mad about yeah, it. Yeah, I told you about the, the Rebel Wilson spot I did. We got, you know, we had this amazing DP who shot Thor Dark World. And he got us the exact same camera package from Thor Dark World. Panavision C anamorphic lenses, you know, Alexa 35, Panavision version and everything. And my whole pitch was, we're going to make this behind the scenes video, but shoot it as if it's an epic action film, right? In the way that we've seen like 
epic action Geico commercials or epic action Kia commercials. This is going to be epic action behind the scenes of a film set commercial. And the day before the shoot, while we're like at the tech uh, scouting and putting everything in place, the agency creatives come over and they're like, hey, the client just wants to make sure this is going to work well in 9 by 16 because Rebel Wilson's going to put it on her Instagram stories and on her TikTok. And she, that's our mm-hmm. biggest. I mean, she's got millions and millions of followers and that's going to be our biggest outlet. More than media, probably. So we just want to make sure it looks good there. <laughs> and, and I was like... What? And then the DP comes over to me. He pulls me aside. He's like, hey, uh, Orna, the, the, these guys just like pulled me aside and asked me to make sure it looks uh, good in 9 by 16. I'm like, I'm, I'm, what should I do? Like I got like he totally hooked us up with we didn't really have the budget for that camera package. Mm-hmm. But he like, you know, pulled some favors and all that stuff. And I, I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, let's just tell him it'll look good and then not worry about it. That's actually like one of Yuki's strategies. Uh, he's told me he's like, because for you know years we were stressing out about it, and he's like, I've just realized like just let post figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to the creative team and I said, look, from day one I pitched this as like an anamorphic, like let's shoot an anamorphic. Literally a week ago, and Kramer, the DP too, said to me, it's like, and they know what anamorphic is, and I was like, yes, they do, but I'm going to bring it up again. We had a pre-pro meeting. I was like, just so you know, anamorphic, it's here. It says, this is why I want to do it. It's going to be like Mission Impossible. It's going to be like Born Identity. It's going to be like all these action films we love. Like, yeah, no problem. And then when they brought that up, I went back and I said, hey, we had this whole discussion. Like, will it be viewable in 9 by 16? Yes, we'll see Rebel Wilson, most of Rebel Wilson in the middle. Will we see the flamethrower she shoots off or like the jetpack? Probably not. Will we see any of this insanely expensive location at Universal Studios? No. Like, why do we go shoot at expensive locations when we don't see them? <laughs> and I was like, I just mm-hmm. think we'll, we can do it, you know, but we've all worked really hard to get here and it's really compromising the whole thing. And they, they're like, okay, we'll just tell the client that we think it's compromising the integrity of the spot. <laughs> and they did. And the client was like, okay, just do whatever, do your best. Keep it in nine by 16. Something this producer, Matt Lancaster, I've, I've talked about him before on the podcast, told me that it's been like one of the most eye-opening things, believe it or not, in the past few years for my career is he said, he told me that I'm not selfish enough as a director. And he's like, I work with these directors. They'll do a shot the client doesn't want, the agency doesn't want, producers don't want, but they're like, this is the thumbnail for my fucking commercial. So I'm doing this shot. Um, and I've learned just from that, that... At the end of the day, like the people, like the work we want to do, we all want to do cinematic work. We all want to do epic things. None of us want to be making TikTok videos for a living because frankly, they're way other people are way better at it than us. Right. And if we want to get people to hire us to make the stuff we want to make, then we need to show them that epic stuff, you know, that widescreen anamorphic, at least 16 by nine That's things. We go to exactly websites. Right. I noticed you have your under commercials, Hillary Duff, bring it to the bin. Produced by Art Class, which I, I don't know if you know, but I signed with them recently. Uh, but your thumbnail is widescreen because that's kind of the stuff that we, I think, respond to. And so even if for, the client's yeah. like, hey, this is going to air 9 by 16, I think client agency people, please don't listen to this next part. But I think you should just make whatever you think is closest to the stuff that you want to make. And then ultimately, people will start hiring you to make stuff that looks like that, you know, whether it feed like works well for google analytics or sells drive time or whatever you know like 
we shouldn't be anal about it. And like if we're having someone talking at a desk in an office, it doesn't need to be anamorphic, you know, but if we're shooting like epic things, let's give them like an epic aspect ratio. So to me, that's, that's, that's when you go two, four, two, three, five. And, and I very, for the record, I, you know, I do mostly comedy. I very, very rarely shoot anamorphic. I've learned that for certain things like car commercials, like feature films, like super cinematic things, places where you want to show off the location, that, that that's helpful. And also, you know, some of our past guests, the Riverside Entertainment guys told us whenever they get, they get a car commercial, it doesn't matter the budget. They say we got to shoot this anamorphic because it makes it look high end. It makes it look sophisticated. You know, Mercedes mm-hmm. commercial is not going to be one by one. Well, so, so let's, let's get into the specifics a little bit more of 235 or, or just anamorphic, you know, aspect ratio and generally mm-hmm. speaking, right? The reason that it looks good in a, a, a car commercial looks good is there's two reasons. One, a car is long yeah. and short, right? So like you can show it off in that aspect ratio perfectly. Like if you were trying to shoot a nine by 16 car commercial, your car is just going to be teeny in the frame if you see, you know, nose to end on it, right? Car commercials tend to be in great locations, right? You don't see a car like you're you're not advertising the new Mercedes when it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of like stuck in traffic on its way down Laurel Canyon in North Hollywood. You do, you know, it's big, it's Malibu, it's the Grand Canyon, it's, you know, you're off-roading in the Redwoods. It's like, there's only uh, so many things that you can say about uh, a product when it's a car, right? And part of the way that you can indicate a lifestyle or an ethos or a point of view is where people drive those cars. Mm-hmm. So background is super important. And again, you know, you miss out on it otherwise. Um, the, the other thing, you know, you mentioned or in all of these like high end TV programs, car commercials, super, right. super, like super Mandalorian cinematic. Is, is two, three, five and more. Yeah. And I think that that's what you think of when people think of, you know, uh, anamorphic aspect ratios, they think of that, but Bobby and I shot, a short together uh, called a gray mm-hmm. one a yeah. good number of years ago. Now that was two, three, five. And for those of you who haven't seen it is a two character piece about a person who finds a gray pubic hair. And then they have a long conversation about mortality uh, as a yeah. result of that. So a, a really talky, jokey, broad comedy. We shot two, three, five. As a as a commentary on the subject matter, how do you say like we're going to take this pube joke and make it super serious? So that was the, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice juxtaposition. The, the, the inspiration um, to shoot it in that aspect ratio. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I think it is a huge factor. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking on your website, Matt. Your awkward parties horror movie parody. I guess two three five is when we want things to feel cinematic. Now, my question about this aspect ratio, because I think a lot of people do this and I've been guilty of doing it too, is sometimes the decision to just put the two, three, five mat on is made in post. Um, what do you think? Bobby's cringing. I have thoughts about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just a missed opportunity because it's not, it's not that I think doing that, you're, you're not, um, considering how you could have made it better on the day like the the proportions 
the actual proportions of the frame like can affect how you frame something. So if you're just framing something for 16 by 9 and then you chop off the top and bottom, you're you're going to end up with something that it just feels it's kind of like how uh uh in in VHS days you would have like a 235 movie like something by James Cameron and then you'd have the you know or you'd have like the abyss but it it was like cropped and pan and scan and so you're basically doing pan and scan except the opposite right. direction you're pan and scanning up you and know? down not to say that 4 by 3 is a, isn't a you know, invalid aspect ratio it's just that you, you just know, need it's you would shoot to know for it. it yeah yeah, yeah exactly. because you would be placing things in the frame i don't know i think it's it's there's so much consideration being put in what is where yeah. Yeah, well, and I think to your point, Oren, it's like hard nowadays. We'll often shoot with fifteen percent mm-hmm. edges, so that right. you can add things back in if you need to. If you realize, oh, I do want this to be a little bit wider or something, you have. And that. I want to qualify. I think more than any other DP, I'm I'm actually pretty, I, I'm I'm pretty encouraging of people to reframe after the fact, so long as it respects. Um, the intentions. Oh, it, my connection just said it. Yeah, the intentions. My connection just said like it cut out or something. Oh, I no, know, I think you're good. Yeah, you're good. Um, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. As long as it respects the intentions. But like if you're doing a blanket, like just I'm going to cut everything off because now suddenly I feel like it looks, quote, cooler. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, like for as a practical example, if you were shooting a, like a wide shot where you wanted a character head to toe and you mm-hmm. compose that for 16.9 and then you decided after the fact to make it 9 by 16, you if you shrink the frame down so that the character is, you can still see their toes and the top of their head, you're probably... You're, yeah, you're cutting them off at the shins. Or yeah, you, like you would cut them off at the shins otherwise. Or if you scaled it down, you don't have enough pixels on the sides in order to fill it in. Now, look, someday that might be a very easy VFX fix. And I think we probably all have been party to scenarios where oh, yeah. you reframe and you just fill in pixels. I had to implement yeah. that for, yeah, uh, Charles and Ben. We did a series where we were just like too close on a close-up. And so we actually... It was a two four zero series, and we actually pulled out and just like cloned. I'm sure again, when generative AI gets advanced enough, you'll just be able to just generate whatever you. Don't Honestly, have. in those circumstances, I, I think you but, can literally right now. Like, I think it's, it's yeah, probably, probably. it'd be nice if it were built it's good in enough. Da Vinci, yeah, it just kind of um, depends how much the camera's you know. moving and stuff. But yeah, I just did this yeah. campaign yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, and. Just in the edit, I was literally just kind of playing with the footage. We had the editor was working. And I was like, you know, I, I like to do like a little rough cut myself to send to the editor, just some ideas. And I just like threw on a two, three, we shot 16, nine. I threw on a two, three, five mat just for fun. And I was like, this, this looks kind of cool. And I sent it to the editor. I'm like, there's no way a client is going to go, <laughs> go for this. You know, it's like mainly for social. Um, and the editor's like, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll, you want me to just go with it? And I was like, sure. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Anyway, now we're finishing in 235 and I'm like begging the post producer to go to two, <laughs> back to two, <laughs> to 
the two one, which is the next the next ratio I wanted to talk about, because now I yeah Split because I difference. feel like now we've cut off like Matt saying like there's a shot of a guy and his dog and like we can either see the dog and the dog's entire body or the guy's head, but we can't see both. Yeah, so I do think there is like this is be like becoming my favorite aspect ratio, two to one because it's because it it's very, very cinematic. Nice. Like you can put someone clearly on the left, someone clearly on the right. You can center someone, um, and I actually love making my pitch decks like treatments and stuff in two to one because mm-hmm. it's just that it you have two squares, right? So you can put a, a square image on the right or two rectangular images, two two to one images on the right. And then oh, that's a nice. square of that's text nice. on the left or yeah. text on the top left. You know, it's very yeah. easy to break it into quadrants. Really clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's a great aspect ratio. And a fun fact, Game of Thrones was shot and presented in 16 by 9. But House of the Dragon, the new season of Game of Thrones, is 2 to 1. And it's a totally made up like kind of aspect ratio. So here's what I like about 2 to 1, actually. It feels like it's the compromise between creatives and executives because to your point, Bobby, like plenty of places I'm sure are like, no, use all of the Mm -hmm. screen. Everyone's TVs are shaped 16 by nine. Use the whole friggin' thing. And people who are like, it's art. Like you can compose better when it's wider, right? Two one is such that it almost feels like the letterboxing is is just the bevel of a TV. Like you don't really, I, I think most people don't notice when that they're, the, the image is, is letterboxed at all when it's a two to one right. ratio. It just, it, it's, it's so inconsequential, but right. from an artistic perspective, from a compositional perspective, it just makes things a little bit easier. I think it's pretty nice. Some other shows that shoot two to one, uh, which I didn't realize until I was kind of prepping for this episode are uh, House of Cards, which like, you know, I was going to say, I thought House of Cards two, was four like one of the first. Oh, no, no, no. One of the first probably to do two to one. And like they were, they kind of. Yeah. And when you're David Fincher, you probably but, get to call the, you know, the aspect ratio. And of course, now if you've created Game of Thrones, one of the biggest streaming hits of all time, you get to say like, hey, we want to change the aspect ratio. And HBO is like, OK. But also Ozark, Stranger Things, um, and not even like only like kind of big sci-fi genre things, but like Transparent, two to one, Fargo, two to one. So it's it's such to me, it's like a great place. And I'm sure there's some AI haters out there, but it's actually it's also my favorite mid journey aspect ratio. Like my default is always two to one because I know that I can take that and stick it in a 16 by nine pretty easily. And I can also stretch it out to make it wider, like fill out my whole treatment page, you know, um, or take up one quarter. Yeah. So, and that's, I mainly use mid journey for treatments and stuff. So before we, we leave the twos though, I wanted to ask Bobby real quick to get these widescreen aspect ratios. There's two popular ways to do it, right? So you can either shoot with regular lenses, right? Like everyone shoots and then you put the black bars in post and hopefully on set you have some guides or you're framing for this widescreen or you can get these special lenses, right? The anamorphic lenses that literally squeeze your image horizontally by 50% or two times. There's actually multiple uh, squeeze factors as well. Yeah. It's, it's become crazy because 
I mean, the original, original 2.4.0 anamorphic format was born out of the fact that the lens squeezed the image horizontally. You're basically, anamorphic means the word is that you're taking an image that's normally very rectangular and squeezing it vertically into, I'm trying to like describe this for audio only squeezing it into something that's more like a square yeah for a 35 millimeter film so that's where it was born out of um but nowadays you can do almost so many different combinations you digitally because that's why uh like in old classic anamorphic movies the bokeh is all the lens rather than exactly all the lens flares it's that's part of the draw for the creative choice of doing it most of the time is that the the lenses that you usually are opting into have just funny characteristics they have really interesting things to look at and but like you when i shot you know the first time i shot anamorphic with yuki he his he would be like, you have to think of it because I'd say like, what lens is that? And he'd be like, well, you have to think of it. It's like a 40 vertically <laughs> and it's like a 20 yes. horizontal. The, ma- the magnification is different. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, different. interesting. Add a in both two, directions. Yeah. Two to one and that's why that yeah, actually yeah, yeah. that 40 millimeter lens is very popular in anamorphic because. Because the 40 it's is like a great medium cool. shot and 20 is a great wide shot. And you can kind of get both in anamorphic when you're doing a portrait of someone, you know, one person or two people talking, right. it's like you see them at a 20 wide, wide, but like kind of the same resolution and feeling of a 40 vertically. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird way to think about it. And post is actually like a total pain in the butt because your pixels are no longer square. They have to be the right. width. There's yeah. special handling that has to be taken into account. Yeah, really weird um, resolutions. I've helped a few people with that. Yeah, weird resolutions. Way more um, pixels. And you just have to... Way more pixels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's it's massively simplified for sure when you're shooting spherical lenses. It, it, there's a lot of reasons. In fact, like most of the stuff that I've shot in 240, I've, had, I've actually shot cropped or spherical. And it usually has to do with the availability of certain lenses. You know, anamorphic lenses are generally more expensive to procure, but money isn't all everything. It's actually the the the, the technical like there's a lot of technical reasons why it, there's actually advantages to shooting spherical and then just cropping. Uh, you still get the benefits and the creative compositional implications, yeah, yeah. compositional. Yeah. You know, Is there behind. any drawback to it? I know, like the farewell was shot um, spherical but cropped to two four. Like there's been like studio films and stuff that do that. I, I think the the characteristics that Bobby was talking about. Yeah, like you're losing out is like on, much. Right, it's you're gaining you're gaining uh, some flexibility in terms. Of, there's just a wider range of of lenses. Although that's changing right now, I think the manufacturers are really just gearing up to make so many different kinds of lenses. But at least at a certain point, there was there was a you know lots of creative advantages and being able to have like a much bigger lens set i think with certain anamorphic um sets you only have like three or four different choices um especially if you're on a lower budget feel 
whereas with the same amount of money, you get like a six or eight lens set, a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, I do love the, the, the when you have three lenses on set, though, you know. It is yeah. great. Just for people who maybe haven't ever shot anamorphic, the focus behaves mm-hmm. differently than a spherical experience. So if you're, you're you know, yes. everyone's shot with like, basically any time you've shot anything, it's been with a spherical lens, unless you're going out of your way to shoot anamorphic. And so we've internalized a lot of just the ways that the spherical lens focuses on things, you know. And right. correct me if I'm, Bobby, you can explain it better than I can, but like, in a, especially when you're squeezing, anamorphic, the, the focal range is in a bit of like an arc almost, basically. There's, there's a sweet spot, and, and different lenses will have different ranges of flexibility, but in general, the moment you opt into anamorphic, you're, you're basically, there's usually murmurs of like, okay, like you better you know, get a really great AC, better get a great focus puller, so that, because it's a little bit more touchy in terms of when the lens is actually sharp. Mm-hmm. And, and the outsides, the edges of the frame can sometimes always be blurry depending on the characteristics of that specific lens and how old it is. Right. So, so and something you're just in, focusing for the middle part. Yeah. You're focusing for the middle and knowing that like something that's on the same plane, but just further from the center of your composition is going to be blurrier as a result. Right. And so you just have to take into account as with anything in photography, like all of these different variables and, and know that because now there's so much mixing and matching. I mean, people are using anamorphic lenses for one, eight, five presentations. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're cropping the left and right of a lens just because they want those characteristics that we're talking about and vice versa. You know, you're using spherical for widescreen. It's just like wild west. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Hey, we switched. We just switched to Bobby's different microphone because his uh, original microphone was a little staticky. Whoops. So we're all good. I don't have all the fancy microphones you guys have. Yeah. Well, anyhow, let's continue. So two to one, highly recommended ratio. Uh, It's my new fave, my new flave, and I'm going to try to use it more and kind of recommend it more. I'm pitching on a shoot right now that's supposed to be cinematic, and I'm really going to push two to one as a as an aspect ratio. We'll see what they say. One eight five I listed just because it's like the original, you know, widescreen standard, but I don't think anyone like cares about it anymore. Honestly, I didn't even recognize it. I was like, I don't know what that it's is. It's like I the Academy standard, right, Bobby? I think one eight five, I think something happens because TVs still have like a safe zone, like an action safe zone. Mm. And I think that there's something where if something is one eight five, you can just barely see that there's a black bar on some televisions. So even if they were respecting it, you wouldn't notice it because it's just that little bit of a difference. And one eight five is probably like Kramer versus Kramer Godfather. Probably all those movies are in one eight five, like the old Mm -hmm. classics. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, you know, we don't care about old classics. Um, <laughs> um, that's not the Academy ratio, though. The Academy ratio is four to three. But you know that like widescreen was developed as a competition for TV, right? It was like mm-hmm. all kind of four, three. And then mm-hmm. pe- people were like, wait, people can watch four, three at home. What can we offer them in the cinemas? We'll we'll make the screens wider. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it feels like this ancient thing, but it's actually 
I mean, uh, we're leaving out TVs. my favorite aspect ratios, you know, 70 millimeter ultra wide, <laughs> circle oh, yeah. vision, IMAX. You know, IMAX. IMAX. There's all sorts of good aspect ratios that aren't on this list. But I, I do love a, a gimmicky, like a circle vision, which is, of course, <laughs> the uh, technology pioneered at Disney for Disney right. World. 360 like, degree. 360. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but also Cinerama, Cinerama, uh, which is um, ultra wide as well, wider than 185. The reason I bring them up is because they were all gimmicks to. They were like people into the theater. Yeah. And not necessarily specifically storytelling, but more just like spectacle of it all. You know, like the early, like this is Cinerama, which was the original film that played in Cinerama domes is a travelogue. It's like people skiing in the Alps and things like, like, you know, the idea of sound and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling the world when you couldn't otherwise. Well, so I think then we go to one, seven, eight, 16 by nine. And you know, I, I have very little knowledge of what goes on with film students nowadays. I do think that even though we're talking about how cool 235 is and I'm saying two to one is like becoming one of my favorite aspect ratios. I do think that there is a certain type of film that if you shot in 235 and like anamorphic, it would be kind of silly and unnecessary. You know, a kind of contained tv comedy or something you know like modern family would you say silly you mean you mean pretentious yeah you're saying it'd be silly to do it would make it seem almost more amateurish you know Mm -hmm. that the filmmaker is using this epic aspect i think you those aspect ratios are good for epic stories they make things feel larger than life uh and they're not like i wouldn't shoot like a mumblecore relatable like Mm -hmm. handheld it's we're all in this, you know, just this is like just like us type of story in, you know, anamorphic. Right, right. You're saying in your imagination of what's happening in film schools right now, <laughs> someone's watching uh, a short film where it starts on an alarm clock and there's a shot from inside the fridge. And then it's like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Rewind. Well, even, <laughs> even like two people and in an apartment it, it, talking, yeah, yeah. cropped yeah. at two, three, five. You yeah. know, everyone is is twenty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get, and you're saying it's it's pretentious, basically. I, you know, but not pretend. I I think of pretentious as like like high art or something. Mm-hmm. But I think this is more like I'm trying to make a Michael Bay movie on no budget, so I'm framing it two, three, five. But like, you don't have the things to fill the frame horizontally with, you know. Like a white wall in two, three, five is no different than a white wall in 16 by nine, you know? And yeah. in 16 by nine, you actually want to make it more about the person. It's like the, the advantage to me, like as you go narrower on the aspect ratio, it's more about the people, right? That's why we end up like a TikTok and Instagram stories that are really about the people and not at all about the location. Let's talk about four by three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess... I don't care for it. Um, I worked on a movie, uh, Come On, Come On, Mike Mills film that was in four by three, black and white. There is something that harkens to a different era of cinema when you're shooting like four by three, black and white. Yeah, four by three basically is like the, um, like we said before, the the academy ratio. It's what TVs used to be shaped like. Um, I will say this. I remember on Key and Peele, they did a sketch where Keegan is in head-to-toe denim, kind of like a Steven Seagal type, and he's got a mullet. He's breaking into a 
like a like a drug cartel mansion, right? Like there's like bikini girls and guys with Uzis on guard. And all he does is snap their necks. He like sneaks up behind people and snaps their necks, snaps, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. all he does. Like that's the whole thing. It's like, there's no karate chops. There's no high (laughs) kicks. It's just neck snapping. And it was so fun. Um, But was meant to, they shot it four by three. And I remember saying to the director, like what and watching them frame it up it felt like home movies in the best way like there is if you grew up shooting 4x3 because that's what right like your VHS right if it's like a 90s was, style yeah throwback there is something really fun about it and i think to your point Oren, as we're getting narrower 4x3 does you can shoot a really cool like portrait or two shot in 4x3 absolutely one of the la- last like little comedy um, spec commercials I just did, we opted for four by three actually, just for fun. Just for fun. Just for fun. And you're still shooting sixteen nine, but you're cropping to four by exactly. Three. Yeah, yeah. And you're putting guides in so that you know what the frame lines are. But uh, yeah. Well, speaking of guides, like what about one by one? To me, this is a format that. There you go. That is, <laughs> I just shot it this last week. We shot 16 by nine, but one by one safe. And it was a pain in the butt. Like we shot yeah. oh, a, really? a, a football party, right? And we had like seven extras, you know, just people having some people over watching a football game. Mm-hmm. And we were shooting some inserts of the TV. It was for a, a TV company. And you have to have your TV in the one by one, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. funny when you're framing a TV to be on TV, but now you have to frame it extra small because you want to fit it on the one by one. It's like feels almost unnatural. Well, so as we return to the idea of shooting for multiple formats at once, I think the move then is like you actually shoot it even wider knowing that you'll crop it for both the one by one or the sure. 16 nine. Yeah. We're just like dressing the con TV console mm-hmm. in a certain way that work. Like we're not dressing to like, we're pr- trying to have the one by one feel all the things we're dressing in. And so there's just this instinct to push things into the middle. And so I had this, mm-hmm. this get together where everyone's watching the football game. We have seven extras. And if you have seven extras, do you try to get all seven of them into the one by one? No. No, I think you. So like, you have five in this one by one, and like one on each end or something. And one on There'd each have end. to be layers. There'd have to be layers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, the blocking you, I, and the staging of it. It's like shoulders and backs and stuff. Which also, you know, Orin, you're so big on scope. I think an easy mistake when you're blocking extras is to get all of them clean inside the the frame, and I think it's always better for them. To, to waste half of or a third of or even the majority of an extra because that then implies that there's even more space yeah. off to the sides or more right. people off to the sides. 100%. And that's always my philosophy is like, how can we imply that there's more things happening off frame that we're just yeah. pointed our camera somewhere randomly and this is where we landed. Now, you, I'm glad you brought that up because in the 16 by nine, it, if you want to get them to be like, not fully in frame. Now they're really far away from the other five extras that are in the one by one. You know, there's this unnatural gap. And also like the client comes and they say, Hey, one by one is the hero format. Like we want the one by one to look the best. I don't know. I, I really hate it. 
Um, not, as much, not as much as I hate the nine by 16 and the 16 by nine at the same time. So when we get to vertical nine by 16, like kind of the traditional TikTok aspect ratio, is there anything you think that aspect ratio is good for? Yeah, 100%. Portraits. Portraits. What else? Dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a single person dancing is like pretty good. It's good for having a bunch of interface stuff on the bottom of the frame with comments popping up mm-hmm. and like the title on top. And then you mm-hmm. really have to have <laughs> this tiny area in the middle. Yeah. yeah, But, but even it. even when we're not talking about TikTok, I, I actually I think I genuinely. Kind of, genuinely I've rounded the corner on. There are certain things that a nine by 16 aspect ratio is great at and embracing those it's hard to do dialogue unless it's shot reverse shot the two shot is the thing that suffers the most and it's the thing that i maybe like shooting the best why do i go to tiktok right now and i see someone interviewing people on the street and it looks fine to me like that's what i don't get is why i can't shoot nine by 16 i try to storyboard it and it just looks so narrow and stuffed but i look on tiktok and it just looks like so natural you know part of it is is also like we're shooting on lens packages that are designed for wider presentations where proportionally it's it's longer than it is tall whereas a phone camera like you basically have to commit to shooting on extremely wide angle lenses right the whole time uh and that that is what a phone is they're just super wide angle yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I, you just see these like that's, wide, yeah. st- wide. That's, and I guess from pretty far away. Telephoto, yeah. so far away. I was going to say the other thing that the reason you're like, ah, this lo- looks so good on TikTok. Why do I like it? Okay, is because the people who are right because this stuff looks good on TikTok when one person is talking to camera walking They're around. Just talking. Yeah, that that's fine. But but even when you're like, like uh, I'm thinking of podcast outside. Or like, you know, there's all like panel sort of shows. The thing that people will do is just not care about image resolution. So they'll shoot a wide and then they're willing to do a pan and scan whip back and forth between the person interviewing and back and forth. And like there are all sorts of rules that we have internalized that don't count, that don't matter basically to a TikTok audience. Like, you know, you think about like how many the green screen videos go mega viral it'll be a person on green screen talking over phone interfaces or a, like an article or whatever and it seems insane that that image quality is acceptable because like their ears getting clipped off they're floating like you can see the edge where they've been like the green screen is truly terrible like worse than what we would have done at 15 with our you know, first computer <laughs> mm-hmm. and millions of people are watching it and don't have a problem with it. And it's just like the, the language of TikTok is different than what our filmmaking brains have come to expect. Look at this awesome TikTok video. It's these five, what I must assume are sorority girls. How do you both think about graphics and negative spacing when you're talking about all of these different aspect ratios. Yeah, I try not to think about it. I did have a shoot last <laughs> week. This other new thing that's been cropping up like over the last two years is that social videos need to work without sound. 
And mm-hmm. so they'll either, if there's right. dialogue, there's captions, there's captions the or yeah. a lot of times they're like real stylized captions, right? The text is not, not just like in a black box on the bottom. It's like all over the place. And yeah, I, this last job I had, we actually had a VFX slash graphics supervisor on set and he was super helpful at saying like, Hey, that's the ideal. You have situation. a lot of dialogue in this shot. Just know we're going to have to put that on screen and you don't have a lot of space for us to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How cool to just know that your work that you're spending so much time on is um, going to be viewed while someone's taking a dump. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I would love for that. That's when I'm at my most focused. <laughs> <laughs> well, final fun fact. Uh, you know, Spielberg shot Jurassic Park in 185 because he wanted to show the dinosaurs how tall they are. That's right. Uh, my last question for you guys. So we've talked about all these aspect ratios from two, four to nine by 16 as filmmakers. We want to, you know, we want all our work, hopefully to lead to new work, better work, more exciting work. How do you display these like various aspect ratios on your website? You know, I don't even know the answer. Well, my, it's funny. Uh, the, the design that I kind of embraced for my website, even though I've shot, different aspect ratios for the kind of tiles that are represented there. I opted to present the thumbnails all into Foro. And and when you click the piece of work, then it like adapts the viewer space to the aspect ratio that it ultimately will be. So it's it's slightly dynamic actually. Uh, but as far as the thumbnails are concerned, they are all 240 just so that they can stack them all to kind of uh, in a way so i'm already breaking my own rules like i'm already modifying my own (laughs) i guess i'm having to take creative license on creative license uh if you go to my website directed by oren.com i have uh it's kind of designed that some videos go across multiple mm -hmm. columns and other ones are kind of spread out in the columns and i did put it in such a way where kind of my anamorphic videos go across two columns then I can just embed the like two, four video that I put on Vimeo onto my website. Right. In that aspect Vimeo. ratio. Uh, However, I for Vimeo having the native option. Yeah. And Vimeo, you can do any resolution. However, right. if I if think I, you can do that on YouTube now as well. Really? Oh, cool. I uh, think so. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I was going to send a sample of my work, you know, like, Hey, here's three commercials you should see or two or a trailer or whatever. I would yeah. probably try to send them 16 by nine letterbox. So I have oh, on Vimeo both versions of everything, even for my nine by 16 stuff. I have it in nine by 16 and also nine by 16 embedded in a 16 by nine, because if someone wants to show like, Hey, here's three clips from Bobby, here's three clips from Matt. Um, it's annoying when they're not the same aspect ratio, you know, that's interesting. I don't know. I think going back to the uh, the very beginning of our conversation, I think people just know that different things are in different shapes now. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're like, think of a wire drive link that you're sending someone to pitch Matt, like, and you have three thumbnails and like two of them are wide. And the third one is like real tall. Yeah, sure. This is a conversation of all sorts of shapes. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly rectangles. Yeah. Yeah. With one have- square in the middle. Well, if you, the, the 70 millimeter, it's kind of like the, like wings out, almost like the back, bat signal. If you, you're, you're like one of those people that buys a curved TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I just have an Oculus. Um, anyway, 
Bobby, do you have a few more minutes to hang out and endorse with us? Yeah, I have a couple loaded. Unpaid endorsements. All right, so my unpaid endorsement is the new film, uh, You Hurt My Feelings. Do you guys know this movie? Yeah, um, I want to see that. Br- yeah, just a little. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and we know yeah. the DP. Yeah, so the DP Jeff cool. Waldron. It's a Nicole Hall Center movie who did Walking and Talking and Enough Said. I truly love this filmmaker's work. Um, but so you hurt my feelings. Do you guys know the premise? Yeah. Is it about a writer that overhears her husband saying that he doesn't think she's a very good writer? That's exactly right. That's exactly, they're a, a, a happy couple. They've been married for years. She's kind of struggling with her new book. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is like going to sneak up on her husband. She sees him out and about and overhears him saying that he just isn't into the book. So oh, it's, yeah. it's very like upper crust white mm-hmm. people problems for sure they're like he's okay. a therapist they're all rich Noah Bombach type yes of yeah, yeah 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 like subject matter 100 percent. which is my shit I, <laughs> I loved it so much all the performances are great it's funnier than I think some of her other work is like like it's a or rather I should say it's jokier but without um losing any of the humanity or or introspection and you know to be honest man it's just it's so nice to that these movies are getting made, you know, there's not that many of them being made anymore. It used to be like, Oh, this is the indie version of, you know, a studio comedy that we would get five or six of every year Mm -hmm. in that mid range. And that's kind of moved to the way of Netflix and maybe is getting squeezed out. Who who knows what's going to happen, but I saw it in theaters. Oh, you did. Nice. How did you, who was watching your child? My sister-in-law did us a solid. We went to the Alamo Draft House and saw nice. it in a movie theater. And I'll tell you what. I love that. Not only was it great, but also for all of the reasons that we love going to movie theaters, laughing with other people, not yeah. looking at your phone, it made it a special fun experience. So I guess I'm endorsing movie theaters in addition. Uh, Bobby, what you got? I got two. You guys, you shot deck? Yep, sure. Yeah, I figured you guys had endorsed it before, but the specifically why I'm bringing it for this is I I actually happen to use it just to like because they have the aspect ratio filter. Mm-hmm. You guys want to gander to uh, fancy a guess at like which one between one eight five and two three nine? Which one? It, it shows you the number of images they have in the right. database of which ones are one eight five and which ones are two three nine. Guess which mm. one is the top? I guess I'm gonna go with one eight five just because you're. It seems like the less obvious one, and also nah, the classic movies are like so. Nah, two three nine, right? Two three nine has one hundred eighty four thousand images, and one eight five has one hundred twenty five thousand. So actually, two three nines in the lead. My only other endorsement I'll make this quick is because that was my original thought was uh, Stevie Edlin's website. It's a DP that I really respect. Right, he was like the first guy that like. Did a, an entire like documentary about why resolution doesn't matter. Resolution doesn't matter. What the yeah, format like you can shoot on any camera and basically do it. You have to treat the camera as a box. So if you go to his website, there's like a display prep video that you can just download, and mm. you, it literally has him doing a voiceover ex- explaining his process. And I think his logic is just totally sound. And it was his big inspiration for my work on um who are you people actually um it looks like he's got nerdy film tech stuff hashtag on twitter yes that's the that's the hashtag 
that's it's a great hashtag. Okay, I got a couple things. You ready? Hit us. Okay, first of all, do you know about the Venice Rialto? Do you know what that is, Bobby? Mm. I love the Rialto. We used it on Under Wraps too. Do you know what it is, Matt? No, this it sounds like a a race car or or a I beverage. Know. Oh, like you'll love it. Matt would love this. Kind it of stuff. is. So I shot on the Venice before. Sony Venice, very popular camera. There's a new mm-hmm. one, Sony Venice two. Uh, one thing I did notice about it when I shot with it is it, we did it, we had a handheld setup and it was very heavy. I tried to pick it up a little bit, and you know our operator had the easy rig and all that those things. I just shot with it again last week. The DP owned it, and he said, "Oh yeah, I have this thing called the Rialto." And I was like, what is that? It's like, oh, you don't know the Rialto? It's amazing. It's basically, it's like a component you connect to your camera that holds the lens and the sensor. You don't need the can, and then it connects with the cable oh, to the camera. I it have seen these. a tiny box. It's like the size, it's smaller than like a Blackmagic pocket camera. It's just this tiny box that with a PL mount. You it's put the just lens the on sensor it. And, and a lens, basically. It's, yeah. And, and, and a big cable that connects it back to the... Yeah, and uh, you have to put body. the follow focus on it if you're using follow focus. But um, but my dream, you know, I always get these amazing shots with my iPhone, and then I'm like, there. But there's no way to do this with like a nice camera because I'm just like running around handheld. Oh, now you can. My now iPhone, you can. But yeah, this you can literally. We're doing handheld. You're still cabled to the brick, though. Yeah, but you can get like a 20 yeah. foot cable, and you have can have someone wrangle long it cable, you. or or you can wear it as a backpack. I've seen backpack rigs. Yeah, um, but you're literally but just it holding makes it more yeah. it's like yeah, you're holding maneuver. an iphone size thing a little bit bigger with like a prime pl mount mm-hmm. lens you know it's crazy and you can stick I it, it too like we used it to you know you want to put the camera in the corner of a room yep. and mm-hmm. venice is this mm-hmm. giant camera that's like you know foot long you just put the rialto it's literally just sticking the lens it's like a gopro you can stick it in a car and he was telling me about it when we were talking about he was talking about um top gun maverick that they just have a bunch All of Rialto. Already, oh, yeah. interesting. They, they put all these cameras in the cockpit of an airplane. Yeah. You can't fit you these to. giant You can't Venice. fit it. Yeah. Yeah. So really cool tool. Venice Rialto had never used it before. Um, I had a couple other things I'll just say real quick. It's a real random one, but uh, do you know who Karen Gillan is? Love Karen Gillan. She plays Nebula sure. in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Just Doctor Who as well. She was in Doctor Who. Doctor Who? Um, exactly. And she has a YouTube channel 100,000 subscribers a uh, uh, good but like for you know in a major major movie it's not like overly known um and she posted a video 11 days ago called a week in the life of playing nebula in guardians of the galaxy volume 3 and cool it's like exactly what any tiktok or youtube or whatever would post about a day in their life and it's like it just makes her seem like just such a normal person that goes through five hours of makeup to put to become Nebula. And she walks around yeah. and James Gunn is there and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm doing a day in the life. And he's like, oh, cool. Are you ready? We're going we're gonna to shoot over here. We're doing this scene. Like, so you get to see him talk to her just as an actor. He's a director. And then she goes to promote um, she did that. some movie that she's in, some other movie. And they're at a photo shoot and she goes to like a fitting and she's just in the elevator and she's at home. And it's, she's like super down to earth and real and like, she just seems very like normal, but she's working on these like billions of dollars worth of movies yeah. uh, in a way that I haven't really seen other actors do before. You know, Karen Gillan, uh, her last name, G-I-L-L-A-N. I know her mostly as Nebula, but yeah, I guess she's also Doctor Who. The last thing 
sometimes I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I get emotional about the weirdest things nowadays. And I just saw this article in the New York Times about if 36 hours in Los Angeles, it's called. And it's like, here's if you have 36 hours in Los Angeles, what you should do. Mm-hmm. And it's just an itinerary. Friday, start on the west side. Go to this in and out. Go to this. Rent a bike from this place. Whoa. Go to Will Rogers State Beach. Uh, go to the tort Abbott, you know, skip Abbott Kinney to go to this tortoise general store or whatever. Like, um, and it's just, if you live in LA or if you're visiting LA, which I'm assuming most people that listen to this podcast fit into one of those categories at some point in their life. It just made me like, you know, people are hating on LA a lot right now. And, you know, for somewhat justified reasons, it's very expensive to live here. And, you know, the, some of the, some of the neighborhoods are a little rough. It just made me really proud of LA and I like was reading it and I was like, wow, I, I want to live in this city. And then I'm like, I do live in the city. Uh, so 36 hours in Los Angeles. It's a New York Times article, not an LA Times article. And it has a lot of cool places that I haven't heard of. Uh, well, cool. Bobby, thanks so much for coming on. I know we've, Thank you you. Know, you've, we've, we've known you for a long time and are excited to have you on. And uh, yeah, if you have any opinions on aspect ratios yourself, like how you pick <laughs> them, if you think they're not nearly as important as dedicating an entire episode, any aspect of these, of, of these ratios. Yeah. <laughs> please let us know. We're just shoot it pod at gmail.com. You can find us across all social media. Just shoot it pod. I am on Instagram at O Kaplan. I'm at Mr. Bad Enlo. Bobby, where can people find you if they want to learn? I'm at Bobby DP on either Twitter or Instagram and BobbyLamb.com. BobbyLamb.com is kind of like, if you wanted to reach out to Bobby, hire him for something, ask him about something. Yeah. Do you have an agent? You prefer people contact you directly? I'm I'm self-represented. Oh, nice. Go check out his stuff. He has a lot of really cool things. And he, uh, I heard you're very inexpensive. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But cool. Well, this episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. And uh, producer Tyler Small. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.